0: Thank you for viewing this Live to Tape video. Live to Tape is part of Photations, and if you'd like to help, you can visit Votationsdonation.com, where there are ways you can support financially or by donating equipment. If you'd also like to support on social media, that helps out a lot. There's more information on our social media accounts in the links below. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, this is the Photations Live to Tape podcast, where I do a live reading of the Junior Classics. We're reading uh, Volume 1, Fairy and Wonder Tales. Now, this is a podcasting 2.0 podcast, and what that means is uh, you can only find it on, you know, new podcasts if you go to newpodcasts, uh, com, You can find new podcast apps, uh, players on uh, the internet, on the web, as the kids say, uh, but then apps as well, and one of the significant things about podcasting 2.0 is you're able to stream uh satoshi's back as you listen so a lot of the core of what podcasting 2.0 is one it's to be a public directory uh, that's not really owned by everyone but it's owned by any one uh corporation but it's open source uh, everyone can contribute you know their podcast and no one can um to remove things they don't like. And you might say, oh, well, you know, people need moderation. They have to things taken away. And for some things, that is that is very true. Uh, the problem is that, the problems that I have, is that, uh, you know, there are countries and everything where they do censor a lot, and uh, it's not the things you think that, that would normally be censored. Uh, there have been a couple countries... It's not just the countries, it's, you know, the companies that you would be surprised censor things. And so, like, a lot of LGBTQ things are are censored in, in other countries, and, uh, you know, Apple does do the censoring, Google does do the censoring, where they remove that content and they not show it, and they actually make it unavailable uh, for people within those countries and regions to view it. And so the main goal of Podcasting 2.0 is that uh, there's no in-between middleman uh, like Apple or Google, and it even goes farther uh, to remove the middlemen of social networks uh, like Twitter and Facebook. It, it's really about keeping the web open. You can go wherever you want, or you can ignore what you uh, don't like. Uh, but it's it's the next standard for uh, podcasts. And their directory. Now, the other thing that I was talking about is they also do streaming satoshis, and so the goal is to more get is to get more uh, viewer supported material, like NPR, where uh, viewers support by listening. And so, as a person is listening to this podcast while it's streaming, uh, they're also sending satoshis back uh, to the podcaster, and satoshis are unit of Bitcoin it is the absolute smallest uh, unit of Bitcoin it is it is under a thousandth of a cent and so one Satoshi is is less than a thousandth point zero 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 one of a cent and that that price does fluctuate a little bit and so you can uh, listen and say you know what as I'm listening to this podcast I want to be donating you know five satoshi's so point zero zero five cents or you can say ten cents it's completely up to you and everything is appreciated you know if I make you know 50 cents this way that is a lot more than I make on advertisement advertisement has really uh, been a thorn in my side uh, where a lot of the numbers are iffy and then a lot of times I don't get paid out so supporting uh, if you like this, you can help support that way, or you can help traditional way if you go to com. There are ways you can uh, support financially, or donate equipment, or by sharing on social media. So that was a long, longer intro than normal, but we are going to start reading the Junior Classics Volume 1, Fairy and Wonder Tales, The Thief and the Fox. by Rasman Raju, a man tied his horse to a tree and went into the inn a thief hid the horse in a wood and stood near the tree to see if he had not done it did you see my horse said the man yes said the thief i saw the tree eat up your horse how could the tree eat up my horse said the man why it did so said the thief and then the two went to a fox and told him of the case the fox said i am dull At last night the sea was on fire. I had to throw a great deal of hay into it to squelch the flames. So come tomorrow, and I shall see your case. Oh, you lie, said the thief. How could the sea burn? How could hay quench the flames? Oh, you lie, said the fox, with a loud laugh. How could a tree eat up a horse? The thief saw his lie had no legs, and gave the man his horse. The Farmer and the Fox by Razwami Raju. A farmer was returning from a fair when he had attended the previous day at a neighboring market town. He had the quantity of poultry which he had purchased. A fox observing this and approaching the farmer said, Good morning, my friend. What cheer, old fellow? said the farmer. I am just coming from wood, through which you mean to go with your poultry. A band of highwaymen has been tearing there since daybreak. Then what shall I do, said the farmer? Why, said the fox, if I were you, I should stay here a while, and after breakfast enter the wood, for by that time the robbers will have left the place. So be it, said the farmer, and had a hearty breakfast with Reynard for his guest. They kept drinking for a long time. Reynard appeared to have lost his wits. He stood up and played the drunkard to perfection. The farmer, who slightly admired the pranks, of his guest roared with laughter and gradually fell into a deep slumber. It was some sometime afternoon when he awoke. To his dismay he found that the fox was gone and that the poultry he had all disappeared. Alas, said the farmer, as he trudged on his way home with a heavy heart, I thought the old rogue was quite drowned in liquor, but now I see it was all a pretense. One must indeed be very sober to play the drunkard to perfection." THE FOOL AND THE DRUM By Rasmani Rajman, Raju Two fools heard a drum resounding and said to themselves, There is someone inside it who makes the noise. So watch a moment when the drummer was out. They pierced a hole in each side of it and pushed their hands in. Each felt the hand of the other within the drum and exclaimed, I have caught him. The one said to another, Brother, the fellow seems to be a stubborn knave. Come what will, come what will, we should not give in. Not an inch, brother, said the other. So they kept pulling each other's hand, fancying it was the man of the drum. The drummer came up, finding them in such an awkward plight, showed them with his fist who the man in the drum really was. But as his fine drum was ruined, he said with a laugh, at last, fools, have fancy with a triple wig. THE LION AND THE GOAT By Rasmani Raju A lion was eating up, one after another, the animals of a certain country. One day an old goat said, We must put a stop to this. I have a plan, by which he may be sent away from this part of the country. Pray act up to it at once, said the other animals. The old goat laid himself down in a cave on the roadside, with his flowing beard and long curved horns the lion on his way to the village saw him and stopped at the mouth of the cave so you have come after all said the goat what do you mean said the lion why well, I, ha- I have long been lying in this cave i have eaten up 100 100 tigers, one hundred elephants a hundred tigers a thousand wolves and ninety-nine lions one more lion has been waiting i have waited and impatiently heaven has after all been kind to me said the goat, and shook his horns and his beard, and made a start as if he were about to spring upon the lion, later said to himself, This animal looks like a goat, but it does not talk like one, so it is very likely some wicked spirit in this shape. Prudence often serves us better than valor, so for the present I shall return to the woods, and he turned back. The goat rose up, and advancing to the mouth of the cave said, Will you come back to-morrow? Never again," said the lion. "Do you think I shall be able to see you at least in the wood tomorrow? Neither in the wood nor in this neighbourhood any more," said the lion, running to the forest. Soon left it with his kindred. The animals in the country, not hearing him roar any more, gathered round the goat. Of one thus saves a host. The Glowworm and the Jackdaw, by Rasmani Raju. Jackra once ran up a glow-worm and was about to seize him. Wait a moment, good friend, said the worm, and you shall hear something to your advantage. Ah, oh, what is it, said the draw? I am but lives in this forest. If you wish to have them all, follow me, said the glow-worm. Certainly, said the draw. Then the glow-worm led him to a place in the wood where a fire had been kindled by some woodsman, and pointing to the sparks flying... About, it said, There you find the glowworms, warming themselves around the fire. When you have done with them, I shall at a distance from this place. The draught darted at the sparks and tried to swallow them, but his mouth being burnt by the attempt, he ran away exclaiming, Ah, oh, the glowworm is a dangerous little creature. The Camel and the Pig by Rasmani Raju The camel said, Nothing like being tall. Look... A pig who heard these words said nothing nothing like being short. Look at how short I am. The camel said, Well if I fail to prove the truth of what I said, I shall give my hump. I shall give up my hump. The pig said if I fail to prove the truth of what I have said, I shall give up my snout. Agreed, said the camel. Just so he came to a garden, enclosed by a low wall, without any opening. The camel stood on this side of the wall, and reaching the plants, within by means of his long neck made a breakfast on them then he turned jeeringly to the pig who had been standing at the bottom of the wall without even having a look at the good things in the garden and said now you will have to be tall or sh-. next they came to a garden enclosed by a high wall with a wicket gate at one end the pig entered by the gate after a- entered by the gate and after having eaten his fill of vegetables within Came out laughing at the poor camel who had to stay outside because he was too tall to enter the garden by the gate. And would you be tall or short? Then they thought the matter over and came to the conclusion that the camel should keep his hump and the pig his snout, observing tall is good where tall would do, of short again, it's also true. The Dog and the Dog Dealer by Rasmani Raju. A dog of Of a peasant a man who dealt in dogs passed by the way the dog said will you buy me the man said oh you're an ugly little thing i would not give a quarter of a penny for you then the dog went to the place palace of the king and stood by the portal the sentinel caressed it and said you are a charming little creature just the dog said will you buy me oh said the man you guard the palace of the king who must have paid a high price for you I cannot afford to pay the amount, else I would willingly take you. Ah, oh, said the dog, how place and position affect people. The Tiger, the Fox, and the Hunters. A fox was once caught in a trap. A hungry tiger saw him and said, So you are here? Only on your account, said the fox in a whisper. How so? said the tiger. While you were complaining, could not get men to eat, so I got into this net today, that you may have the men when they come to take me, and gave a hint that if he would wait a while in a thicket close, he would point out the men to him. May I depend upon your words, said the tiger? Certainly, said the fox. The hunters came, and seeing the fox in the net, said, so you are here. Only on your account, said the fox, in a whisper, How so, said the men, complaining you cannot get at a tiger that has been devouring your cattle. I got into this net today, that you may have him. As I expected, he came to eat me up, and is in yonder thicket, said the fox, and gave a hint that if they would take him out of the trap, he would point out the tiger. May we depend upon your word, said the men, while the men went with him in a circle to see that he did not escape. Then the fox said to the tiger and the man, Sir tiger, here are the men, gentlemen, here is the tiger. The man left the fox and turned to the tiger. The former beat a hasty, hasty retreat to the woods, saying, I have kept my promise to both, now yourselves. The tiger exclaimed when it was too late, Alas, what art for a double part. The Sea, the Fox, and the Wolf by Rosmani Raju. A fox that lived by the seashore once met a wolf that had never. The wolf said, What is the sea? It is a great piece of water by my dwelling, said the fox. Is it under your control, said the wolf? Certainly, said the fox. Will you show me the sea then, said the wolf. With pleasure, said the fox. So the fox led the wolf to the sea and said to the waves, Now go back, and they went back. Now come up, and they came to the waves my friend the wolf has come to see you so will you come up and go back till i bid you stop and the wolf saw with wonder the waves coming up and going back he said to the fox may i go into the sea as far as you like don't be afraid for at a word the sea would go or come as i bid and as you have already believed the fox and followed the waves rather far from the shore a great wave soon upset him and threw his carcass on the shore. The fox made a hearty breakfast on it. THE FOX IN THE WELL By Rajmani Raju A fox fell into a well and was holding hard to some roots at the water. A wolf who was passing by saw him and said, Hello, Renard, after all you have fallen into a well, but not without a purpose and not without the means of getting out of it, said the fox. What do you mean, said the wolf? "'Why,' said the fox, "'there is drought all over the country now, "'and the water in this well is only means of appeasing the thirst that live in this neighborhood. "'They held a meeting and requested me to keep the water from going down lower, "'so I am holding it up for the public good.' "'What will be your reward?' said the wolf. "'They will give me a pension and save me the trouble of going about every day in the quest for food.' not to speak innumerable other will be granted me. Further I am not to say I am not to stay here all day. I asked a kinsman of mine, to whom I have communicated the secret of holding up the water, to relieve me from time to time. Of course he will also get a pension and have other privileges. I expect him here shortly. Ah, Renard, may I relieve you then? To get a pension and other privileges? You know what a sad lot Is mine, especially in winter. Certainly, said the fox. But you must get a long rope that I may come up and let you in. So the wolf got a rope, came up the fox, and down went the wolf. When the former observed with a laugh, My dear sir, you remain there till the owner of the well throws up your carcass, and left the place. A pastel and his godly crew. By P. C. Atchburson. Once upon a time, there was a king, and this king had heard about just as fast by land as as by water, and as he wished to have one like it, he promised his daughter and half the kingdom to anyone who would build one for him. And this was given out every church all over the country. There were many who tried it, as you can imagine, for they thought it would be a nice thing to have half the kingdom wouldn't be a bad thing into the bargain, but they all fared badly. Now, there were three brothers who lived far away on the borders of a forest. The eldest was called Peter, the second Paul, and the youngest Aspen Spattle, because he had always sat in the hearth, raking and digging in the ashes. It so was at church on Sunday when the proclamation about the ship which the king wanted was read. When he came home, amid told his family, Peter the eldest asked his mother to get some food ready for him. For now he was going away to try if he could build the ship and win the princess and half the kingdom. When the bag was on the way, he met an old man who was very crooked and desperate. Where are you going, said the man? I'm going into the forest to make a trout for my father. He doesn't like to eat at table in our company said peter trout it shall be said the man what have you got in you- that bag of yours he added stones said peter stones it shall be peter then went to the forest and began to cut and chop away at trees and work away as hard as he could but in spite of all his cutting and chopping he could only turn out trouts toward dinner time he wanted something to eat and opened his bag but there was not a crumb of food in it as he had nothing to live upon, and as he did not turn out, anything came tired of the work, took his axe and bag on his shoulder, and went home to his mother. Paul then wanted to set out to try his luck at building a ship and winning the princess and half the kingdom. He asked his mother for provisions, and when the bag was ready, he threw it over his shoulder and went on his way to the forest. On the road he met, an away crooked and despair. Dispen- where are you going said the man oh i'm going into the forest to make a trout for a suckling pig said paul pig trout it shall be said the man what have you got in that bag of yours added the man "Stones," said paul stones it shall be said the man paul then began felling trees and working a wood, but no matter how he cut and how he worked he could only turn out pig trouts he did not give in however but worked away till far into the afternoon, before he thought of taking any food. Then all at once he became hungry, and opened his bag, but not a crumb could he find. Paul became so angry, he turned the bag inside out, and struck it, then lie and took his axe, went out of the forest, and set off homeward. As soon as Paul returned, Espetl wanted to set out, and asked his mother for a bag of food. Perhaps I can manage to build the ship and win the princess and half the kingdom, he said. Well, I never heard the like, said his mother. Are you like you, who never do anything but root and dig in the ashes? No, you shouldn't have any bag with food. Espero did not give in, however, but he prayed and begged till he got leave to go. He did not get any food, not he, but he stole a couple of oatmeal cakes and some flat beer. And said he walked a while he went to the same old man who was crooked and tattered and to spit. where are you going said the man oh i was going into the forest to try if it were possible to build a ship which can go as fast by land as by water said a for the king has given out that anyone who can build such a ship shall have the princess and what have you got in that bag of yours said the man not much worth talking about there ought to be a little food in it added as pestle if you give me a little of it i'll help you out said the man with all my heart said a pestle but there is nothing but some oatmeal cakes and a drop of flat beer it didn't matter what it was the man said if he only had some of it he'd help pestle when they came up to an old oak wood oak in the wood the man said to the lad now you must cut off a chip and then put it back again in exactly the same place when you have done that you can lie down and go to sleep. and pestle did as he was told, and then lay down to sleep and in his sleep, he heard somebody cutting and hammering and sawing and carpeting, but he could not wake up till the man called him, and the ship stood quite finished by the side of the oak. Now you must go on board, and every one you meet will make will make take it with you said the man. Espen Espedal thanked him for the ship, and he would do so. When he sailed some distance, he came to a long, thin tramp, who was lying near some rocks and eating stones. What sort of fellow are you, that you lie there eating stones, asked pestle. The tramp said he was so fond of meat, he could never get enough, therefore he was obliged to eat stones he asked if he might go with him in the ship if you want to go with us you must make haste and get a boy," said pestle, yes that he would but he must take with him some large stones for food when they sailed some distance they met one who was lying on the side of a sunny hill sucking at a bung who are you said pestle, what is the- in that bun oh when one hasn't got a barrel one must be satisfied with the bung said the man I'm always so thirsty. I can never get enough beer and wine. And then he asked for leave to go with him in the ship. If you want to go with me, you must make haste and get aboard, said a pestle. Yes, that he would. And so he went along with him to ally his thirst. When they had sailed a while again, they met one who was lying with his ear to the ground, listening. Who are you? And what is the good of lying there on the ground listening, said a pestle. I'm listening to the grass. "'for I have such good ears that I can hear the grass growing,' said the man, "'and then asked leave to go with him, and the ship would not say nay to that. "'So he said, "'If you want to go with me, you must make haste and get on board.' "'Yes,' the man would, and he also went on board. "'When they sailed some distance, they came to one who was standing, "'taking aim with a gun. "'Who are you, and what is the good of standing there aiming like that?' asked the pestle. "'So the man said, "'I have such good luck, right to the end of the world.' "'And then he asked for leave to go with him in the ship. "'If you want to go with me, you must make haste and get aboard,' said a pestle. "'Yes, that he would. He also went on board. "'When they had sailed some distance again, "'they came to one who was hopping and limping about on one leg, "'and the other had seven What you said a pestle, "'And what is the good of hopping and limping about on one foot?' with seven tons of weight on the other. I am so light, said the man, that if I walked on both my legs I could get to the end of the world in less than five minutes. And then he asked for leave to go with him on his ship. If you want to go with us, you must make haste and get on board, said Apestel. And so he joined a pestle and his crew on the ship. When they had sailed some distance they met one who was standing holding his hand to his mouth. Who are you? said Apestel, and what is the good of standing there holding your mouth like that? Oh, I have seven summers and fifteen winters in my body, said the man, so I think I ought to keep my mouth shut. At the same time, they would finish off the world altogether, and then he asked for leave to go with him on the ship. If you want to go with us, you must make haste and get aboard," said said pestle. Yes, he would, and then he joined the others on the ship. When they had sailed a long time, they came to the king's palace. Epestel went straight in to the king. his ship stood ready in the courtyard outside, and now he wanted the princess, as the king had promised. The king did not like this very much, for Epestel did not cut a very fine figure. He was black and sooty, and the king did not care to give his daughter to such a tramp. So he told Epestel that he would have to wait a little. But you can have, if by this time tomorrow, you can empty my storehouse of three hundred barrels of meat, said the king. I suppose I must try, said a Pestle. but perhaps you don't mind me taking one of my crew with me? Yes, you can do that, and take all six if you like, said the king, for he was quite sure that even pest hundred with him, it would be impossible. So a Pestle took with him the one who ate stones and always hungered after meat, when they came next morning and opened the storehouse they found he had eaten all the meat except six small legs of mutton one for each of his companions epistle then went to the king and said the storehouse was empty could now have the princess the king went into the storehouse and sure enough it was quite empty but epistle was still black and sooty and the king thought it was really too bad that such a tramp should have his daughter so he said he had a cellar full of beer, and old wine, three hundred barrels of each to have him drink fat, drink first. I don't mind you having my daughter, if you can drink them all up by this time tomorrow, said the king. I suppose I must try, said pestle, but perhaps you don't mind me taking one of my crew with me? Yes, you may do that, said the king, for he was quite sure that there was too much beer and wine, even for all seven of them. pestle took who always sucking the bung and was always thirsty and the king then shut them down in the cellar there the thirsty one drank barrel after barrel as long as there was any left but in the last barrel he left a couple of pints to each of his companions in the morning the cellar was opened and a pestle went at when he had finished the beer and wine and now he supposed he could have the princess as the king had promised well I must first go down to the cellar and see, said the king, for he could not believe it. But when he got there he found nothing but empty barrels. But pestle was both black and city, and the king thought it wouldn't do him to have such a son in law so could get water from one end of the world in ten minutes, for the princess's tea he could have both her and half the kingdom, for he thought that, that task would be quite impossible. I suppose I must try, said pestle and sent for the one of his crew who jumped about on one leg, and had seven ton weights on the other, and told him he must take out the weight as as he could, for he must have water from the end of the world for the princess's tea in ten minutes. So he took out the weights, got a bucket, and set off, and at that moment he was out of sight, but they waited and waited, till he did not return. At last he waited but three minutes to the time and the king pleased as if he had won a big wager. Then a pistol called the one who could hear the glass grow and told him to listen and find out what had become of their companion. He has fallen asleep at the well, said he who could hear the glass grow. I can hear him snoring and a troll is scratching his head. A pistol then called the one who could shoot to the end of the world and told him to send a bullet into the troll. He did so and hit the troll right in the eye. The troll gave such a yell that he woke the man who had come to fetch the water for the tea, and when he returned to the palace, there was still one minute left out of the ten. pestle went straight to the king and said, Here is the water. Now he supposed he would have the princess, for surely the king would not make any more fuss about it now. But the king thought that Epistle was just as black and sooty as ever and did not like to have him for a son-in-law. So he said he had three hundred fathoms of wood, which, which he was going to dry corn in the bakehouse, and he wouldn't mind Epistle having his daughter, if he would first sit in the bakehouse and burn all the wood. He should have then the princess, and without fail. That without fail. I suppose I must try, said Epistle, but perhaps you wouldn't mind my taking one of my crew with me oh no take all six said the king for he thought it would be warm enough for all of them a pestle took with him the one who had 15 winters and 7 summers in his body and in the evening he went across to the big house but the king had piled up so much wood on the fire that you might almost have melted iron in the room they could not get out of it for no sooner were they inside That the king fastened the bolt and put a couple of padlocks on the door. Besides, Apostle then said to his companion, You had better let out six or seven winters, so that we may get something like summer weather here. Then they were just about able to exist, but during the night it got cold again, and Apostle then told the man to let out a couple of summers, and so they slept far into the next day. But when they heard the king outside, Apostle said, You must let out a couple more winters, but you must manage it so that the last winter you let out strikes the king right in the face. He did so, and when the king opened the door, expecting to find Aspesto and his companions burnt to cinders, he saw them huddling together, shivering with cold, till their teeth chattered. The same instant, Aspesto's companion, with the fifteen winters in his body, let loose the last one in the king's face, which swelled up into a big... Shellypon, can I receive the princess now? said Apostle. Yes, take her and keep her and the kingdom into the bargain, said the king, who dared not refuse any longer. And so the wedding took place, and they feasted and made merry and fired off guns and powder. While the people were running about searching for wadding for their guns, they took me instead and gave me some porridge in a bottle and some milk in a basket and fired me right across here so that I could tell you how it all happened. I think this, well, this is going to be our last story. The Squire's Bride by P.C. Agerbison Once upon a time there was quite a rich squire who owned a large farm had plenty of silver at the bottom of his chest and money in the bank besides but he felt there was something wanting for his wife for he was a widower one day the daughter of a neighboring farmer was working for him in the hayfield the squire saw her and liked her very much and as she was the child of poor parents he thought if only hinted that he wanted her she would be ready to marry him at once so he told her that he had been thinking of getting married again. Aye, one may think of many things, said the girl, laughing slightly. In her opinion, the old fellow ought to be thinking of something that behooved him better than getting married. Well you see, I thought you should be my wife. No, thank you all the same, she said. That's not at all likely. The squire was not accustomed to be gainsaid, and the more she refused him, the more determined he was to get her. But as he made no progress in her favor, he sent for her father and told him that if he could arrange the matter with his daughter, he would forgive the money he had lent him, and he would also give him the piece of land which lay close to his meadows into the bargain. Yes, you may be sure I'll bring my daughter to her senses, said the father. She is only a child, and she doesn't know what's best for her. But all his coaxing and talking did not help matters, she would not have the squire, she said, if he sat buried in gold up to his ears. The squire waited day after day, but at last he became so angry and impatient that he told the father if he expected him to stand by his promise, he would have to put his foot down and settle the matter now, for he would not wait any longer. The man knew of no other way out of it but to let the squire get everything ready for the wedding, and when the parson and the wedding guests had arrived, the squire should send for the girls as if she wanted for some work on the farm. When she arrived she would have to be married right away, so that she would have no time to think it over. The squire thought of this was well and good, and so began brewing and baking, and getting ready for the wedding in grand style. When the guests had arrived the squire called one of his farm lads, and told him to run down the neighboring, run down, to his neighbor, and ask him to send him what he had promised. But if you are not back in the twinkling, he said, shaking his fist at him. Oh, he did not say more, for the lad ran off as if he had been shot at. My master has sent me to ask you for what you promised him, said the lad, when he got to the neighbor, but there is no time "'to be lost, for he is terribly busy today. "'Yes, yes, run down into the meadow and take her with you. "'There she goes,' answered the neighbor. "'The lad ran off, and when he came to the meadow, "'he found the daughter there reeking the hay. "'I am to fetch what your father has promised my master,' said the lad. "'Aha,' thought she. "'Is that what they are up to?' "'Ah, indeed,' she said. "'I suppose it's a little bay, bay matter of yours.' you had better go and take her she stands there tethered on the other side of the pea field said the girl the boy jumped up on the back of the bay mare and rode home at full gallop have you got her here with you asked the squire she is down at the door said the lad take her up to my room my mother had said the squire but master how can that be managed said the lad you must do as i tell you said the squire If you cannot manage her alone, you must get the men to help you. He thought the girl might turn obstacious. When when the lad saw his master's face, he knew it would be of no use to gainsay him. So he went and got all the farm tenants who were there to help him. Some pulled at one end of the four legs of the mare, and the others pushed from behind. And at last they got her up the stairs and into the room. There lay all the wedding finery ready. Now that's done, master, said the lad, but it was a terrible job. It was the worst I have ever had here on the farm. Never mind, you shall not have done it for nothing, said his master. Now send the woman up to dress her. But I say, master, said the lad, none of your talk, said the squire. Tell them they must dress her and mind not forget to either wreath or crown. The lad ran into the kitchen. "'Look here, lasses,' he said. "'You must go upstairs and dress up the bay mare as a bride. "'I expect the master wants to give the guests a laugh.' The woman dressed the bay mare and everything that was there, and then the lad went and told his master that now she was ready and dressed, with a wreath wreath, crown and all. "'Very well, bring her down,' said the squire. "'I will receive her myself at the door.' said he. There was a terrible clanter on the stairs, for that bride you know, had no silken shoes on. Then the door was opened and the squire's bride entered the parlour. You can imagine there was a good deal of tittering and grinning, and as for the squire, you may he sure lined had enough of that bride, and they say he never went courting again. Now I want to thank everyone for coming out, for this live reading on Thumbs United, you can. Uh, this is a podcasting two podcast, and it's recorded live on Twitch, Twitch TV slash Thumbs United. Uh, this is viewer supported, so if you like the show and you appreciate it and you want it to continue ongoing, you can visit votationsdonations.com dot com to see how you can donate equipment or donate. Donate financially, as well as other avenues of support like supporting on social media, and you can also spread the word by word of mouth. I want to thank everyone for coming out. See everyone next week. Bye bye.